First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. Hello. <laughs> My name is Sarah Letourneau, she, her, hers. We are met together, and in meeting, we are blessed. For me, this song always evokes the Bible verse from Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. The key for me is not just the gathering or the meeting, but the in my name. In other words, the shared purpose. For where people meet with a shared purpose, there is a blessing. There is power. On a recent trip to Atlanta, I experienced two very different examples of this phenomenon. As a teenager, listening to burn CDs from my sister was how I first experienced The Marvelous Three, a rock band that had already broken up by the time I put them on in my disc man in 2003. Last month, my sister and I got to see them live in their hometown. The concert was at the Tabernacle Theater, which is an old church, which was a great appropriate, sorry, an appropriate venue for a once-in-a-lifetime show. Because whether or not you believe in a God, it's a truly spiritual experience to be among a couple thousand Gen Xers and Millennials screaming at the top of their lungs along with lyrics they've known for 20 years. There's a holiness in this, to that shared purpose, even when the shared purpose is flipping the bird along with the lyrics. These experiences of shared purpose are ephemeral but powerful. Earlier that day, I'd been moved by a different example of that power when we went to the National Center for Civil and Human Rights and saw an exhibit about the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Across time and space, on footage I'd never seen before, there were 250,000 strong, powerful people in their Sunday best singing We Shall Overcome. The effect of those individuals marching with shared purpose is incalculable and continues to this day. That weekend in Atlanta, brought into sharper focus for me what meeting with the shared purpose can mean and the dramatic impact coming together can have, whether it's the impact is on two sisters or on the world. Thank you. My name is Mary Hayes. I want to read the first line from the lesson at small group ministry last week. Our lives are woven together Strands of thick and thin. The connections we make here are bonds woven of those threads. <clears throat> threads which sustain in times of need, <clears throat> and I add, in times of joy. Covenant means an agreement between and among people, unwritten, to work together toward common goals, health, success, peace, joy, and perhaps the resolution of disagreements or conflicts. The covenant is for a lifetime. And no, not only for us, but for those around us, other groups, other centers of worship. As I wrote this, I thought of congregations in Des Moines meeting this morning with a covenant to their members, too, to other neighborhoods, to other countries, it is what we know or count on every day with the people who come our long away, along our way. People who come here to this 
community have a covenant. This last week, I was part of church services, two church services, with coffee time and goodies. I came to a concert, two book groups. There was a woman's luncheon and a discussion group, handbells, of course, and choir. <laughs> what a joy. I participated, I was supported, and I was safe. Each time there are meetings or a hug or laughter or familiarity or safety, maybe a new learning, a new challenge, like an opportunity to clean the church on Saturday. <laughs> and sometimes disagreement. I have a biological family, sister, brother, and nieces and nephews. I have a covenant to rejoin rejoice in their accomplishments and joys, but they don't live here. I don't see them often, and they are busy. I have a covenant with the people I encounter here. I and you came without a ticket or a reservation this morning, trusting that there will be a greeting, a smile, comfort, and maybe help or even maybe the opportunity to speak to someone about misunderstood words. And hopefully I carry out my covenant and my responsibility to listen, 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 to call you once in a while and speak well to you and of you wherever. In Meeting We Are Blessed was written by Troy Robertson in 2014 with text by Robert Gatznahos, further inspired by John Donne. It's quite a pedigree for a modern choral piece. I've loved it since we first sang it here at First Unitarian, and I always appreciate when Karen pulls it out for us to rehearse. We've performed it with an African djembe. Please, many thanks to Tyler today for his lovely performance. I'm sorry I didn't have your name to put in the order of service. <laughs> um, so the djembe provides percussion to move the song along, or sometimes we just have Bruce to keep us in tune. For this service, however, I, I dug a little deeper into the music. I've always just sort of liked it, but hadn't known much about it. Um, I discovered it was written for a remarkable meeting of the Festival Singers of Florida and the Nairobi Chamber Chorus, two community choirs. It was premiered in Nairobi, Kenya, with the composer Troy Robertson singing in the choir. You can find the YouTube of the performance. I strongly recommend it. It's beautiful. A music publisher noted on their website that in meeting we are blessed serves as a poignant reminder of the immense power and blessings that peace brings to individuals and communities alike. It exemplifies the enduring spirit of collaboration as different choirs from diverse corners of the world are inspired to come together, sharing in the joy of music and the pursuit of harmony. That sounds very grand, and it can be when performed. Again, I really recommend finding all the performances of this piece on YouTube. Uh, they lift the spirit. It will be a rabbit hole you'll enjoy going down. For me, performing is a perfect example of music as worship and ministry. The choir spends some weeks learning and rehearsing the piece, 
We come early on a Sunday to warm our voices, then perform it for you, the congregation. We always hope you like it and that you won't notice our little flubs. We are met together, and in meeting we are blessed. Peace in coming and in going, peace in labor and in rest. Our labor is in the singing, but for me it says much about how we, as individuals, become one, hopefully, cohesive instrument. How we minister to you by sharing the resonance of our voices, the movement of our bodies, and the joy we feel in singing together. I cannot fathom worship or spiritual expression without the inclusion of shared music. For me, it's not church without singing. I know I'm not alone in that one. I've actually been to a church service where there was no music. I was like, what what are we doing? It was like a lecture series. It was was a lecture series with an operatory. It was very strange. (laughs) I ran across this article from The Advocate from early in COVID. I think it was like late 2020, early 21. The author, Jan Risher, was remembering how it felt in the before times to sing together. Singing in harmony, even when I'm singing the melody with other people, creates beauty. Growing up, I sang in a choir and with people multiple times every week. The experience of being a part of that beauty endures, even though I haven't sung with a choir for years. So during COVID, somebody asked me, what I missed most. (laughs) I didn't really stay home. I actually went to work. But, you know, during COVID, what did I miss? I said, without hesitation, hugging my mom and singing in choirs. That's it. That's all I missed. Everything else was replaceable, at least in the short term. You're not alone, and you never more will be. I will be with you, and I will carry you with me. That describes a choir, if nothing else does. Jan Rusher also shared that her best friend Kathy lists In Meeting We Are Blessed as her favorite song, and she introduced Jan to it. Jan writes, My children are embarrassed for me at the number of times I've watched videos of choirs singing that song. I am not. The song is about the power of being together, something so many of us long for, but it's also about the power of staying connected when our bodies move and we are apart. The mere mortals among us may not be able to sing in harmony or unison as we once did for months to come. Even so, friendships can endure. Hold on to me. Psychology Today defines loneliness as the state of distress or discomfort that results when one perceives a gap between one's desires for social connections and actual experiences of it. The first humans no doubt felt the immense stress of being alone when facing the fear of attack from an animal or another human or a weather-related calamity. I'm certain they took comfort in the company of trusted others We learned early on that, indeed, there is safety in numbers. In our present world, 
where division seems to be the rule and not the exception, where we sometimes wonder if we should even speak to a stranger for fear of what they might say or do, where it feels as if loneliness is spread through the aerosols we breathe, there is great comfort in finding a place to go where everybody knows your name, and indeed, they're always glad you came. And for you younger folks, you can stream an episode of the 80s TV show, Cheers, to find out the reference. I have several places in my life where I experience the grace of safety. At home with Karen and Rachel is my place of peace. I know that I am always safe and loved there. I know they will carry me with them through all their days, and I will carry them with me through all my days. I know I am lucky, as too many people find home to be unsafe. This Friday, I gathered with a group of guys at which I became a part nearly 50 years ago. Back in the mid-70s, my college roommates invited me to take part in their annual day-after-Thanksgiving turkey bowl game, football. The guys playing all graduated from the same Catholic high school in my hometown in 1974. I, on the other hand, graduated from a public high school in the same Wisconsin town one year later. They started their game in 74. I jumped in three years later. Those early games were rough. Tackle football, no helmets, no pads. Ten or eleven guys aside repeatedly running into each other can be scary sometimes. One year, a player suffered a broken leg. They helped him into the back of a station wagon, propped his leg up on a beer case, and drove him to the emergency room. <laughs> In 1986, so the first year Karen, uh, Karen joined my family for Thanksgiving, I knocked heads with a big guy that resulted in a black dot in my line of vision for several days. She drove us back to Iowa. <laughs> In later years, we turned to flag football, then to bowling. <laughs> it's Wisconsin. It's, what you, it's always the fallback, bowling. And now simply going out for beers and lunch. My connection to these guys runs deep. One of them became one of my very best friends and was the best man at our wedding. We call each other regularly. Another was my roommate for five years. I've been in the same NFL football pool with three of those guys since 1977, still betting a dollar a week on who will have the most correct picks. No adjustment for inflation. <laughs> this is our 47th straight year, getting hold of each other every week from September to February to share picks and friendly banter. Two of them have accompanied me to the college hockey finals every year since 1993. These guys are a treasure to me. We will always be there for each other. I feel the same way when I gather with my Democratic Party friends twice monthly to share our common commitment to justice and freedom. And there's our church. This is my true religious home. I rejected my parents' Christian fundamentalism in my teens. And after 25 plus years in a mainline Christian church as an adult, I found that while I like the people there, and their commitment to social justice, I could no longer go along with the liturgy and be true to myself. The words I recited every week became rote, and while there is comfort in consistency, 
in reciting words that go back centuries, it got to the point where I didn't any longer believe what I was, what I was saying. At First Unitarian, it was so clear early on that what I believed was up to me and that there were opportunities here to explore that further. There is great comfort in coming to a place where you can truly be yourself and not be judged for what you believe. And I found kinship in the choir and with folks with whom I served on the board and committees. Maintaining these relationships at home, with friends, with colleagues, and with fellow church members is like caring for a garden to flourish. It takes being attentive to others and frequent tending. May we all flourish in our relationships with others. May it be so.